Hey guys, uh, I'll be having Brian from Rig Time today. appreciate it 
you guys are definitely awesome to see all the time. Like, I love it that you guys come down to the Quad Cities as much as you have. We really, uh, we love you guys. Yeah, I love, I love the QC. It's, it's funny as Rig Time has not played Quad Cities since last June um, when we played at Skylark for that Integrity show. And uh, we used to come down every few months, but I was like, maybe I need to chill out for a bit so nobody gets sick of us or anything. So I was a little surprised, but we'll be back there in April um, at Skylark again for that last 10 seconds of life show. So, you know, what is that, 10, 9, 10 months or so. So I'm very excited. Uh, I'm actually that day, believe it or not, uh, I am interviewing Vomit Forth that night. Oh, cool. I'm excited to see them. It's just, it's, it's just crazy just to think like how, like I hit up, so I hit up Wyatt from that mm -hmm. uh, last 10, because I already interviewed John, their former vocalist, and John did it, and then I was like, okay, I got John, then I got their old drummer Steven on, mm -hmm. I was like this, I might as well get the last original member of last 10. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and honestly, I feel like, yeah, like Wyatt, Wyatt's definitely the one to talk to from that band and, you know, get all the information and stuff so yeah because he's still the one so he's a nice dude though i i enjoy talking with wyatt all the times that we've played together and met up and stuff so oh yeah okay so i know you guys came out with the ep last year mm -hmm. are you guys working on a full length this year uh we are so the funny thing is that um we originally were gonna have a full length album in 2020 that was the original plan and we were going to try to do that in summer 2020. So when everything got shut down, we started rethinking things. And um, really long story short, what we wanted to do first was to put out this EP, the Reborn, that we put out um, last July in uh, 2022. And that was kind of meant to be like the new introduction to what we are as a band. Because we hadn't put out any like an actual like release besides a single since 2017. And we had changed as a band, the way we write songs and everything, you know, it was just Rebecca and I as the sole members of the band anymore. So Reborn was meant to be an introduction to saying, this is who we are now. This is how we're going forward and trying to incorporate the elements that we do live now with, with her doing the split signal between bass and guitar and stuff. And um, me adding in my synthesizer along with the vocals and drums and all that. So now that that's out, um, Yes, a full-length album is is in the works. We've had about fifteen or sixteen songs, roughly, um, floating around uh, for for the you know between twenty nineteen and now, um, and we are actually this week uh, trying to really filter down exactly what we want because we've had our mind made up a couple of times and then we changed it again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like we had a song that I was like, we're going to record this. It had lyrics and everything. We went back and revisited it after a long time. And I was like, the song sucks. I just don't like it. Um, it just didn't feel like who we are now, I guess, you know, like, I feel like we have better material than this. We can do something better. And it just sounded dated, I guess. And it was an older song. Um, in this, you know, the session back, they back to like early 2020, I think. Um, so that's what we're working on is trying to dial it down to exactly what we want for this full length and, um, and, uh, hopefully get that recorded and do all the ridiculous things that go along the business side of it and stuff. So, yes. 
Dang, that's uh, I'm definitely excited to see you guys. Definitely one of uh, that's why I tell some of the band members. I mean, you guys are one of the bands that I know that put in the grind no matter what, and you guys deserve all the recognition you get. And I'm pretty sure, like, I have a I had a few CDs and I have it on my computer, and I gave uh, some CDs to like people in Chicago a couple weeks ago. Oh, thank you. So. I definitely uh, support you guys, and I definitely love your message with the uh, All Ages show. I really, because I feel like All Ages shows are more important than the 17 and above, because kids need music as much as we do. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I've, you know, beaten a dead horse to death uh, for expression of how, how much I've gone on, and I can go on and on about All Ages shows, you know, I'm plenty old enough that I can go to any show I want, but it just doesn't feel right as a musician who, you know, fell in love with music at a young age. My entire life, I've been obsessed with music. I started playing instruments when I was 12, and my first, like, local type of show was when I was 14. And so it feels really wrong for me as a musician to, um, you know, and again, this is personal. This is not a knock on anybody who does play rage-restricted shows and 21-plus shows. It's a personal thing where it just doesn't feel right to me. I feel like I would rather play a show and promote how important it is to make sure that anybody can come. And it doesn't matter if you're 65 or 15. You know, if you want to come and see music and live music and enjoy that in an environment um, that, you know, people can be there to... Uh, to to communicate with each other because I also think that as an older musician it's important to um, pass on information to the younger generation when you know like I have uh, younger musicians often ask me about um, you know how do I book how do I do this how do I write how do I record you know anything like that like what's it like to tour all these things and I feel like I can't offer that knowledge and help them if I'm playing shows where they can't even come in because alcohol sales are more important than, you know, the music itself. So, um, the main thing that we always try to, you know, say with all ages or nothing aspect is that music is first to us and everything else is second. So whether that be your business, your restaurant, your alcohol, your, whatever you want to do for your establishment to make your money is your prerogative. But if rig time is playing a show, it's going to be all ages, and we're and we've stuck to it since we have played our first show on December 26, 2014. We have played over 400 shows. We have played in 43 or 44 states. I'd have to check our tour history. I forget. Um, and uh, so almost 50 states, and every single show has been all ages. And I'm very adamant when I hit that up. If somebody says, "Hey, can you come play this date in this state?" and I go, "Yes." I assume it's an all ages show and they'll say, well, it's 18 plus. Will that work? It won't. And I appreciate you reaching out to us and I appreciate you, um, you know, asking us to be there, but if we can make this all ages, we'll do it. So that's like our real strict requirement. And it's just to, to raise awareness on how important it is because I feel like it's very easy for bands to just fall into play shows to play shows. But I don't really get anything out of just playing a show to play a show for myself. I would rather be a band that 20 years later, somebody can find and go, whoa, this band only played all ages shows, you know, like with those kind of, you know, I mean, in a sense, it's a punk rock ethic. It's a punk rock ideal about community and unity and giving back to the scene that gave to 
me as a kid. So, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's very much that it's about the circle and stuff because we didn't just like think one day, like, Oh, we should be an all ages band just to be one. It was the band kid dynamite who put out a song cheap shot youth anthem 24 years ago. And I found that song, you know, after that band broke up and it hit me super, super hard because it says, you know, call us up to play a show, say it's over 21 and we'll say hell no. Cause we're all ages. Um, it says that right in the lyrics and that hit me so hard. And I had played a lot of really terrible 21 plus bar shows and stuff like that in other bands. And I was like, you know, I just, I don't want a part of this. I don't want to do it. I'd rather go out and be an all ages band like kid dynamite Fugazi, um, is known for being that way too. So it's, Rig Time is not the first all ages band, and I really, really, really hope we're not the last. So, oh yeah, that's definitely respectable. Like, uh, I think the way I think of it now, since like I've been to both, you know, what I'm saying all ages and 21 plus. I think the 21 plus. Don't get me wrong, it's fun, but it gets violent because be- people drink way too much. Then it gets violent really quick, and it gets bloody. I've seen stuff go down and it's not pretty anymore. Yeah. Like everybody has pent up aggression now since like COVID like locked everybody down and that got everybody angry. Everybody's like, now I can release this pent up. No, no, it's not for that. Like I would rather see more all ages shows than like 17 and above because kids deserve music as much as me, you and me. Yeah. And you know, I've, you know, every uh, when you, get your name out there or you do things like there's always people who will just say snarky comments and stuff. And I remember it years and years ago hearing somebody made a joke about rig time only plays for kids. Well, first off, even if we did, who fucking cares? Sorry if I can't swear on here, but, uh, oh, you can, you yeah. go for it. but it's like, who cares? Because we're playing for people. It doesn't matter if somebody appreciates it, no matter what age they are, you know, that's it. But also like we play shows where, 45 year old people will bring their four year olds with them to the show and they're just punk rock, you know, parents who grew up and wish they could go to shows and are stoked that they can go see bands they like, but also bring their kids into the environment because, you know, as you know, punk rock is turning, you know, 40, 50 years old or something as the years go on, like it's becoming normal and it should become normal. And, parents should be able to bring their young kids and experience this stuff. It's not like kids have to listen to nothing but kids bop until they're 12 years old. Like if kids want to listen to black flag or rig time or something, then they can. And I definitely have friends who tell me that um, they've brought their young kids to see us. And they're, they always talk about like, you know, that they, they, Oh, I saw this band and they wear the rig time shirt and stuff. And um, they get really excited about that. And I've, I've had people, I mean, I, I just had a friend the other day tell me who is my age or older that they wouldn't be playing drums and doing vocals at the same time if they hadn't seen me do it back in like 2015. And that means a lot to me to know that like, you know, I, you know, anybody got any sort of inspiration, I guess, from something I had done. Um, but that's not a kid, you know, who told me that, but then I'm hoping maybe someday kids will be like my first show ever was rig time. And now I want to start a band, you know? So it's not about playing for young people. It's about playing for everyone and everyone who wants to be a part of it. Cause there shouldn't be any segregation and there shouldn't 
be like any seclusion or it's, it's not like a secret club like oh you come see our heavy music but you you know in this 21 plus bar like no if you're gonna come see rig time everybody come and have a good time whether you're standing in back standing up front head banging or you're spin kicking your friends in the pit so <laughs> god i hate getting spin kicked in the head <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, like, I live my method in life now, like, uh, with the old punk mentality of PMA, positive mental attitude. Yeah, exactly. And everybody's all like this, but you're only 28, and you weren't around for that. I might be only 28, but no offense, but, I, like, I tell everybody, I listen to music all the way back from the 70s to now, mm-hmm. or even earlier sometimes. I was like, I listen to punk for one reason and one reason is because those guys didn't care who they were trying to oppress. They were playing a show to play a show. Exactly. And, and like, it's just nuts just to think, like, I never thought I would be listening to punk, but, like, I think in um, April, yeah, April, I get to go see Black Flag. I've never thought I'll see them. And, and it's with the original vocalist. And I'm like, this is nuts. Stick. So, so, uh, sorry, I had a, that like one finger on the camera. My boss was trying to call me, and I was like, hey, "You ain't getting a hold of me, you asshole." Uh, be like, "Yo, I'm talking to Brian. Fuck off." Well, he's probably trying to get a hold of me to come to work. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> You're at work right now. This is work. So, this is your job. For real. <laughs> well, th- that's what I told everybody. Like the way I thought of it anymore. Like. So, I haven't seen you in a long time. I think last time I seen you was last year, maybe? Um, trying to remember. Was it the, the Balt, was that the show we played with Baltic? Baltic the Boardwalk we were on tour with last year? Was it that uh, one? No, I think or, it was Enterprise Earth. That's the last time well, I Enterprise seen Earth. you. That was October 2021, I believe. Yeah. It's been At, two years. Yeah, Blackhawk Room. <laughs> um... Yeah, so, like, I haven't seen you since then, and, um, I printed, so, I gave up music promoting, mm-hmm. because during COVID, I was all like this, that's too hard right now, I'm just gonna go full-time working, then, like, shows started happening again, then it got harder for me to do it, because I was like, I'm already full effort into Walmart, there's no way in hell I'm gonna be able to go straight, keep going. Mm-hmm. And the way I started the podcast, uh, there's a guy I used to sit with, and he's all like this. Dude, every time I see a picture, you're with a different band member. Do the podcast. And you were one of the inspirations for me to start the podcast because how you sit with uh, local bands, no matter big or small. Yeah, I remember talking to you about it. I think that last time I saw you, we were talking about it outside, and I know you were really interested in it, and I remember you saying like hey would you ever do this someday and uh hey hey, i'm doing it so here we are (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so can you tell me how like exactly like what made you want to form rig time i know it's the all ages stuff and everything but what made you want to play in a band um in a band or in rig time in general uh like in general like what what influenced me to be a musician yes um funny story is somebody asked me this the other day but i had started playing guitar when i was like 12 
and I've never really been a big fan since. Um, but for some reason, I was like flipping through channels, and on like MTV Two was the live performance of Eric Clapton playing Layla um, from the MTV Unplugged, and I happened to turn it on at the moment that he was just like ripping the solo on the acoustic. And I have no idea why it hit me at that time. And like I said, I never, I've never really been a big Eric Clapton fan since. I don't, I barely ever listened to Layla or anything. But um, it hit me, and I started playing guitar after that. And then I started messing with drums and bass and moving on and on. And I wanted to be a songwriter. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. I actually have five super essential albums that made Brian um, want to be like a full-fledged musician. Um, and I can actually... Uh, so it started with Linkin Park Hybrid Theory. When I heard that record as a kid, I started writing lyrics. Terrible lyrics. Absolutely horrendous lyrics um, <laughs> that were just me trying to, like, rap and be awful. Um, but I started nonetheless, and it really inspired me. And then from there, um, I got the record Break the Cycle by Stained. And... You know, as like a 12, 13 year old sad boy in the middle of nowhere, like that record was just like, well, that's what I want to do. So I really wanted to play acoustic and sing sad songs and stuff because of that. Um, and then after that record, I got two records on the same day. I went to the store and I got Nevermind by Nirvana, which taught me how to just be, I don't know, vulnerable, I guess, or just it just taught me about more like the raw aspect of music. And I also got toxicity of my system of a down. And I remember putting that on. And at the time to my ears, that was like the heaviest and the craziest thing I had ever heard. So like, you know, anyone who's familiar with that record, the first song prison song just starts off. And I remember being like, Whoa, like this is not my standard tune, acoustic student size guitar. <laughs> Um, and, uh, a lot of, yeah, there's just a lot of crazy stuff on there. And then I feel like the final nail in the coffin, which is again, going to make me sound really old, but was the album Sinner by Drowning Pool. Uh, back when Dave Williams was the original singer was still alive. Um, I never really liked anything they put out after then, but that record, I was listening to it the other day, actually on our way to a show and just reminiscing about how important that record was to me because like. I just, I don't know, something about the lyrics again when I was young, like, really got into me, but he had, like, such a really good vocal range for his screaming and his um, his melody and everything that he could do and, like, the guitar, the drums, just everything about that record kicks ass. I don't care. I think that record still holds up today. Um, but I remember when I got that record, then I was like, you know what? I think I do really like heavy music, and I know I want to start making music and stuff, and then it just, I've never stopped since. So... Um, that's pretty much what I'd say, like how I really, really got into, uh, wanting to be in a band and try to find people to play with and had a lot of terrible bands as a teenager. I didn't have my first like real, real band until I was an adult because <laughs> I just couldn't find anybody to play with or I had I lived in the middle of nowhere at the time. I had no clue how to book shows or anything. So, um, I kind of feel like I got a late start with it. And I think that's another reason too, why you know, subconsciously the all ages thing is, I think like, you know, maybe if people go to an all ages show or young, younger kids go to an all ages show, maybe they'll meet other younger kids who will start a band with them 
and it won't have to take as long as it took me to get a band. So that's definitely uh, definitely cool because I was wondering how that happened, and I was like, "Huh, I'm gonna ask him when we do the podcast." I was like, "I've been always like, it's always a cool seeing you guys because this is like this. If two people could do this, it's it, like a man, uh, we all can do it." Yeah. Like you guys put in, like I said earlier, you guys put in the groundwork. It's crazy to see if you guys come up with your own merch design and do everything by yourself. Like it's nuts. Like, oh, thank you. I'm pretty sure my friend Zach Toby loves. Uh, he's all like this. I asked them to make me camo or some like orange and green sweatpants, and they made orange and green sweatpants. I was like this. I'm pretty sure they're very open to ideas. They're not gonna yeah. go up to you like this. Suck a dick. Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah, we make custom stuff for people all the time. You know, like, we have uh, friends who are from, from from around your area, too, actually hit us up. He wanted a, a 5X, I think, and we didn't have one in stock, so we were like, okay, when we get home from tour, we'll make you one and send one. So we made him one and sent him a 5X, and then next time I came down and played, he was wearing it, you know? So it's like, stuff like that happens all the time, and, um, you know, the whole printing our own merch thing kind of just came about because we we tour so much or had toured so much um before like everything and shut down especially like we were running out of merch a lot and we'd be home for like four days and then go back out on tour and we'd be completely out of large shirts and we'd be like shit what do we do so we talked about it and we were like well we got to figure out a way to to do it and we kind of just learned as we went um i mean i i can't take any credit for the printing because that is 100 percent rebecca I don't help her at all, but if you've ever bought anything from Rig Time in the past, you know, since 2018 or so, every it's been printed by Rebecca. Um, I do all the digital designs, and I give her the, the, the transparencies to burn the screens, but she burns all the screens. She prints all everything. She dries it. She sells it. That's a Rebecca thing. So, um, And then I, I just tell her, I'm like, you handle that. I'll handle booking and and management and all that stuff and whatever i was like but <laughs> but yeah we're always cool to, to do that you know i mean you know like we you know like we're not fussy either too where it's like if people are like oh hey i only have 10 bucks can i get a shirt or something like, yeah of course you know like you know you want something custom or you need a deal like we're just we're not rock stars you know like and i know some bands like that i've definitely been like oh i don't have this much money and i get you know you people have things People have costs and expenses and stuff too, but there was a band a long time ago before Rig Time started that um, very very important band to me. But I had I had two bucks in my pocket. That's it. And I was at a show and I saw these guys and they changed my whole life. I have a tattoo from them and uh, started another band um, inspired by them. But I was kind of like peering around the corner at the merch booth, kind of just like and like like trying to not be noticed. And then the vocalist was like, hey, dude, can I, what's up? And I was like, oh, I was like, I only have two bucks. So I was just trying to read your merch sign to see if you had anything cheap, you know, stickers or a patch or something. And he just picked up a CD and just handed it to me. You know, and CDs are like 10 bucks or something back then. And I was like, I only have two bucks. He's like, it's cool, man. It's fine. And then I gave him the two bucks and I was like, thanks. And that little teeny tiny gesture was so profound on me that I've never forgotten it. And I remember it forever. Um, that, you know, even on our merch sign, we say, like, if you're broke, talk to us. We're not assholes. I really don't care. It's not a big deal. Like, yeah, we have to make money and we have to sell stuff and whatever, but that that just goes to everybody. Um, I'd rather some, 
I don't think you should ever deny a fan something from your merch table if they really, really want it. The only time I've ever denied it was like super drunk person who I know is just like, hey, give me something for free, man. I didn't even see you guys tonight. Um, then it's like, no, go away. But if somebody comes up to me and it's just like, you know, I was so impressed. I love you guys so much. I wish I had money. I, I'm sorry I don't, but I have to leave. It's like, well, what do you want? They're like, no, no, no. And I've done that. I've given people shirts. And then, you know, a week later, they'll just PayPal us and say thank you or something. Or, you know, and not that I told them to or anything, but I just think that, that I'd rather be a good, good person and a nice person than, like, the cool rock star guy is just like, whatever, dude, so give me 20 bucks for this shirt or get out. Like, that's just not me. So it's definitely crazy to see how much price is of like merch have gone up too. that shit's nuts, nuts. Like I just went to go see uh Die Artist Murder and Kublai Khan and Joliet. And let me tell you, I'm a big fan of Die Artist Murder. I'm not going to lie. They were like my very first, like, I'm going to listen to these guys no matter who likes them and who doesn't. That was my band. Mm-hmm. And, and like, when I found them, I lost my dad. That was the best time. To, like, Hate came out the same year my dad passed away. So that kind of, like, made me, like, huh, this album's going to hit me hard because, A, I hate the world right now. Yeah. And, like, I went over to their merch table, and I was like, okay, shirts are definitely going up in price. I was like, 40 bucks for a T-shirt ouch and then i seen like hoodies and i was like hoodies is only twenty dollars more that's a little odd yeah and i was like this doesn't make any sense to me yeah what sucks too is like with a tour that level so like there's the infamous merch cut that venues will take so certain bigger venues um will take cuts of merch from big tours like that you know where you're pulling in a thousand people at night or something or whatever. So like sometimes bands have to march, mark their stuff up because a venue will take a merch cut, which is just ridiculous. Um, but that's like a, a lifelong argument that people have had. And then also too, then when it gets into bands, like say like Slipknot level, I had ran merch uh, for three days at Chicago open air years ago. And I learned a lot when I was doing that, about how most of the merch we were selling for like Rammstein and Slipknot and uh, Chevelle, and I'm just trying to think like big, huge bands that were playing there. Um, once they get to a certain point, they're like their image and logo and all those designs are just licensed. So Slipknot, it's not like Corey Taylor's hitting up a friend saying, Hey dude, can you design this for me? And then he goes and gets his other friend to print it and he takes it out. You know, it's not even in their hands anymore. It's basically a business, a business, a business, a business. And by the time it rolls down to the customer, there's so many people that have their hands in the pot that it's jacked up because you have so many people to pay and whatever. Um, so there's things like that. And then, um, you know, with us, though, like, because that's another reason why we like to print our own merch and we'll try to do it as long as we can is because it's cool that we can take discounts if we need to or give discounts if we need to. And it's nice to be able to, like, keep our prices low because, we again, we'd rather people just have the shirts, you know. Sometimes we're like, maybe we should charge more, but we're like, no, nah, that's fine. Like, we'll just maybe we'll sell more if it's less or something. But I know how I am, too, like. 
if I see a band has a hoodie for 25 bucks, I'm like, give me that hoodie. If a band has a hoodie for 60, I go, I'll be cold today. I don't want your hoodie. <laughs> um, you know, there, there was a sick hoodie. I went and saw Backstreet Boys last year and they oh, had a sick. sick Backstreet Boys hoodie for 80 bucks. And I was like, I want that hoodie, but I'm like, I'm not paying 80 bucks for a hoodie. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like I, I, I buy like guitar pedals and I'm like, if I see a guitar pedal for 80 bucks, like sometimes I'm like, Hmm, maybe I'll wait to find some cheap used one for 45. Like I could be kind of a cheapskate in that aspect, but, or call me frugal maybe, but, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, when you're Backstreet Boys, like you have to mark stuff up to that too, because it's just a thousand different people have their hands in your product. So it's a bummer, but yeah, I want to say last year, the most I ever spent on a hoodie is $80, believe it or not. And it was for spite. <laughs> oh, wow. I think the most I've spent, I want to say, is like 40 or 45 I think. It, I, I don't think it was 60 But my two most expensive hoodies I have is in 2020, I ordered my Rotting Out hoodie when they put out Ronin. And I ordered my Deftones hoodie when they put out Ohms. But those are like my two favorite bands. So then it was like, you know, well, yeah, I'm going to get those hoodies for sure. Oh, yeah. I think. I pre-ordered the Rotting um, Rotting Out album too. Mm -hmm. I never got mine. Well, what, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I pre-ordered mine, and like that's when COVID happened, and like I got an email saying it got sent back to New York. Mm -hmm. What the hell? And I was like, I was like, ah, uh, the hell! And they sent me an email saying, "Would you like us to ship it back out?" And I was like, "This, yes." And I was like, uh, is it free? And they're like, no, we're going to have to charge you an extra 20 bucks to ship it back out. I was like, I'll just take a full refund. Yeah, that's a bummer. But, like, I think the, like, last thing I bought that, like, means a lot to me is, um, I have a Every Time I Die uh, varsity jacket with a hood. Mm -hmm. It was on their last tour before they broke up, and that one meant the world to me because, like, that night I went up to, like, this... After they were done playing, Goose was just rapping his, um, uh, he was putting his drum kit away, and Andy was rapping his guitar, uh, like, the chord for his guitar, mm -hmm. and Goose comes up to me, he's like, hey, kid, and I'm like this, I'm probably, like, not that much younger than you, dude, <laughs> and he was like this, and gave me their last set list, and he was, I was like, can I get a picture with you? He's like, yeah, and he sat down, that's, that's what meant the world to me that night, cool. And, like, everybody's all like this. I said, I spent $90. Uh, well, that was the most expensive thing I have the every time I die jacket. Uh, I said, that jacket, let alone, means the world to me because that was my favorite band before they broke up. And I was all like this. That band meant the world to me because it shows you, like, bands like that, they were still playing little shows mm -hmm. and big shows. No matter where they were, they were doing in the grind. Yeah. It just shook me to hell. Like my coworker Alexis, I was working nights at the time, and she was on lunch. And she's like, "Did you see what I tagged you on on Facebook?" I was like, "No." And that's when she showed me. She was like, "Every time I die, I broke up." I was yeah. like, "This, you can't do that to me. That hurts." I remember that day. My my entire news feed was nothing but every time I die. That that day was very. It was very. It, it, I felt like it was coming. You could kind of tell. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because there was all because that stuff with like the band members not getting along or whatever it was, and um, yeah, like it seemed like it was coming too. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, like as soon as they got done playing, you know how it gets dark and like some vocalists will stay on the stage, but some a lot of them disappear. Mm-hmm. Keep disappeared like a magician that night. It was like boom, like the lights. It was like two seconds. The lights were off, lights were back on. Keith was gone like a ghost. Damn. I was like, the fuck does happen? Right. Is he a wizard, Harry? Like, what the fuck? But like, I've met some of the inspirationals for me to carry on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I met Vincent from the Acacia Train, the biggest teddy bear in the world. Everybody thinks he's an asshole, but biggest teddy bear. Yeah, I still yet to meet Vince. So technically, he left me a voicemail one time. I had a friend. What? I had a friend who went and like I can't remember if they. I think they went to see them or else they played with them. But I told. I think I made a joke about like yeah, have Vincent call me or something. And I missed my phone call. And I looked and I had a voicemail and it was from Vincent. And it was just like, Hey Brian, this is Vincent. Your friend told me to call you because you're too good to even come to my show. Why don't you come to my show, man? Or something like that. I laughed so hard. It was awesome. And I lost it because like, it was on an old phone. But I thought that was super funny. So, yeah. Oh, that, that's fun. Uh, like, funny thing about Vincent. I said I'll go with you here in a minute. Uh, funny thing about Vincent. Um, he... So, like, I follow him on Twitch. And, like, Vincent was, like, one of the big inspirations for me. Like, re, uh, during COVID, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was nonstop listening to, like, Continent. And Continent was, like, that That stuff's top tier. Mm-hmm. And I was all like this. Hey, I'm going to... Uh, he, he, when they confirmed the tour with I Am and No Zodiac, they were playing in Des Moines. I was all like this. I want to go see the Acacia Strain because I've never got to see them. And I mind you... My car battery was, uh, like, I took it to AutoZone. They said it was dying. Mm. I drove all the way to Des Moines to go see the Acacia Strain on a dead battery almost. Mm. And, like, I beforehand, I said my friend's going to make you a magic card because you know how much Vince is a big tech nerd. And he, I so I, get, I go up to him after the show because I see him outside. I didn't know he was that freaking tall and skinny. And I was like this, and I was like, hey, Vincent, he was like, hey, dude, and I was like this, and I pull out the magic card, and the first thing he said to me is, you must be Jacob. That's cool. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, yeah, and I was like, can can I have a hug? He's like, I'm not really a hugger, but sure, what the hell, I'm sweaty, and mind you, like, my face was like, thank God I'm, like, not shorter than I am, or my face would have been in that man's crotch. (laughs) (laughs) But he took a picture with me, and, like, when you look at the picture, he's holding the card up with him, smiling, and I get to go see him in Chicago again, and I'm very excited. Like, Vince, I told Vince I'm going to shove through, and I want to do the opening for JFC. Yeah. So, no, I love that. I love that band very much. It's always that's definitely been like an influence of ours and stuff. And you know, I mean, when people talk about like bands they'd love to tour with. I feel like that's definitely like top three like bucket list. Like it would be really cool someday to like get to play with them or just do a tour. Just because I feel like people who would be at a you know 
I mean, not just, I mean, obviously I just want to watch him play every night, but like, I feel like people that would go to an Acacia Strange show would probably get down with rake time too. I've always thought that. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I've only got to see him twice. Um, we recorded with their, their bassist Griffin once, but I hadn't actually met any of the other members before. So, uh, I definitely like if Vincent's like a lot of people are, I'm, I'm like, I was surprised Vincent's a big hardcore fan too. Oh yeah. I was like, like, holy shit, and like, I like, uh, and he's straight edge too. Yep, that's the benefit. You know the I band Cockpunch? Yeah, yeah, I love Cockpunch. So <laughs> vegan, not vegan. <laughs> I fucking love that band so much. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. So funny thing is, so when I first started booking, you're gonna think this is funny shit. The show I had you guys on, I messaged Cockpunch. <laughs> Because I was like, I want to see these guys so fucking bad. And I was like, would you guys be interested in playing my first show? And they actually responded. And they're all like this, we don't tour anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, they're like, it would be a killer show for us to play, but we don't tour anymore. I was like, god damn it. Why can't this happen? (laughs) If if Cockpunch ever did a tour again, you can... If I had to borrow money to get tickets immediately, like if I was like dead broke or something, I would. I would lose my shit to see Cockpunch, so. Oh, fuck. Those, 